we're going to do this stream at the end where it's all different versions of you coughing this whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion, and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey, Status Post Adulting fam. This is Sammy and Michelle. And you're listening to the 26th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we're going to be talking about meditation. But first, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you doing, Michelle? I am unwell, Sammy. It was a trick question I already knew, but I really don't know because I have been separated from Michelle because she is currently in isolation for coronavirus. I have COVID-19. And longtime listeners of our podcast will know that I am vaccinated. Got that Pfizer shot a couple months ago. We definitely wanted to take a second to talk about this on today's podcast. PSA. Wear a mask. Vaccinated or unvaccinated? Wear that mask. I understand. You know, we're in the United States. We're in an area where a high population is vaccinated. And I had that bad belief that, hey, I'm vaccinated. The people around me are vaccinated. I don't need to worry too much about COVID-19 anymore. Yes, I knew about these new variants that were coming out. They were saying all this stuff about how contagious they were. But honestly, I really think that we do not even understand right now how contagious COVID-19 still is for people who also are vaccinated. Yes, Michelle. I think we all had a false sense of security with the vaccine. I'm sure it reduces symptoms even if you get COVID-19 afterwards. But... Michelle is not the only person I know with COVID-19 right now. Yeah. For me, I went to a wedding last week. And from that event, already six people have tested positive, And only two of those people were not vaccinated. So the majority of the people had either gotten the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. And yet we were all sitting at the same table. And most of us have tested positive at this point. If it was just me... I think it would be fairer to call it one of those breakthrough cases. Maybe something was up. Maybe I just got caught in a bad moment. But the fact that it spreads so easily to a group of vaccinated people is a little insane to Sammy and I. And quite honestly, I regret when I was at that wedding not wearing a mask. Like I, I'm doing okay. I feel like I got a bad cold. I lost my sense of smell and taste. And it's definitely no picnic, but luckily I don't have the respiratory issues and I don't have the exhaustion that comes with COVID-19. So it does feel like it's less severe. But at the same time, yeah, if I could go back in time, I 100% would wear a mask. So I think that none of us really expected that. I think we thought we were okay. I think we were definitely under this false sense of security. I think what we're going to end up seeing and what we're seeing in a lot of places now is that the mask is going to come back. LA County is bringing the mask back. The Bay Area is recommending it. Vegas has a mask mandate now indoors, and so I think the mask mandate's coming back, as we definitely think it should be, because nothing is more effective than the mask. Exactly, Michelle. 
she is downplaying the respiratory symptoms. She does have a productive cough, but she's doing good. But I agree, the mask is absolutely the gold standard when it comes to COVID-19 protection. Get vaccinated, but also wear your mask. Preach, Sammy. Now that we are done preaching on that, let's preach on one of my favorite things. It is meditation. How'd you get into meditation, Sammy? I really stumbled upon it. I was a sophomore in college when I started to notice depressed mood. At that time, I was not sleeping a lot. I was partying a lot. I was also studying a lot, which is really fun for me. So like all these things were things that I really enjoyed. And I had a friend who we would just like do this all day. And she did pretty seemingly well without all the sleep. (laughs) For me, I'm like above average on the sleep requirement. And so getting a few hours of sleep every night was taking a toll on me, which I didn't realize that was taking a toll on me then. But I did start to notice that I was having increasingly negative thoughts and and an increased number of thoughts in general. I didn't recognize these as thoughts in the beginning, but I did recognize that my mood was going down. I was feeling more sad regularly. It was like there was a gray cloud on everything. And that was very abnormal for me because I'm normally a really cheerful person. I remember one time... I don't remember exactly what I thought, but it was like a negative thought about myself. And I remember I paused because I just really saw how something had taken over my mind. I really saw how that is not a thought I would have had two months ago. And I realized something drastic had happened to me. As we talked about in the last episode, for some reason, we get psychology today as kids to our house. And they had recommended a book called Happiness by Matthew Ricard, who is a molecular biologist from France who really got into Buddhism and meditation. When she says he really got into meditation, she means he moved to India, Nepal, and became a monk. He's a monk now. He's a monk now. I ended up reading that book, and I really, really resonated with the message that Matthew was bringing on. One, I think him being a scientist and like the schools he went to and the things he was working on were were things that I was learning about in the classroom. It really made him a relatable character to me. And then also he got really into Buddhism and really into meditation. And it gave me like an entry level way to enter this mind space of thinking about how to view depression, anxiety, these kind of things. That's the first time I ever realized that my thoughts are not part of my personality. These thoughts are instead something that passes through my mind like things pass through my vision, like smells pass through the air. I don't own them. They are not a reflection of me. They're just all these little things that pass through. And learning how to separate myself from these thoughts was what ultimately got me over the depression. But more than that, gave me an everlasting sense of serenity and this feeling that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay because I know how to separate myself from my thoughts. Sammy is much more the expert on meditation between the two of us, and she's the one that has exposed me to it over the years. She's taken me along to different meditation groups that she's been a part of and has sort of exposed me to the benefits, the book, the readings, the people involved with it. I think with meditation, Michelle, a lot of people have stigmas about what meditation is. So let me just ask you, Michelle, like, what did you think about meditation? Or what did you think it was before you 
ever really got into it yourself? That's a good question, Sammy. I'm not exactly sure what I thought before, but I do think that even though I heard the benefits to some extent lightly, you know, I knew that a lot of people were using it. A lot of thought leaders would talk about it. I knew that you were into it. I didn't feel interested enough in learning about it myself, maybe because I didn't really know the benefits of it or really what meditation entailed, what that actually meant. I completely agree, Michelle. You know, we're from Michigan. Meditation sounded a little bit new agey to me. And I think my perception of it was people sitting and thinking about one thing and concentrating really, really hard. I really had no idea why people were doing it. Exactly, Sammy. I think the why is the big thing for a lot of people. It's like, okay, I get it. You sit there. You don't think what really comes out of it. And maybe we should start with how you would define meditation, Sammy. Yeah, Michelle. I mean, meditation, there's so many different forms of meditation. I think the thing that is there with all of them is that you are focusing on something, whether that be the breath, whether that be the present moment, whether that be different parts of your body and the sensations in your body. You're focusing on something. And the truth is, focusing on that thing is just the first part in helping you actually recognize what makes it difficult for you to focus on that thing. And the thing that makes it difficult for you to focus on that thing is the other thoughts that are coming through. And the important thing about seeing these other thoughts is, by seeing what these thoughts are that try to intrude and try to prevent you from focusing on your breath, your body, just being mindful in general, you can see what your typical thought patterns are. And by learning yourself, by learning your typical thought patterns, that's how we really learn how to clear the mind. As we talked about in our episode where we discussed the untethered soul, it is clearing all these thoughts, this entire thought playground, and just sitting back and watching. It is being that one that sits back and watches that really brings you the peace and serenity that we're all looking for in life. Yeah, Sammy, I really think a big theme with different literature that I've listened to and read about meditation is understanding that you do have an inner voice that's chatting away and that you are not that inner voice and that you also have the option to separate yourself from that inner voice, let your thoughts do what your thoughts do, but not necessarily attach yourself to those thoughts. I agree, Michelle. And additionally, I think a lot of us have this idea that these thoughts that come in are our personality, like those type of thoughts that we have, oh, that's me, or that's me, that's a sassy side of me, and that's the wise side of me, and that's the, like, we all think these are different aspects of ourselves, but really, they're just a big thought mess, and the true us is a more silent, more spacious being. Definitely, Sammy. There's a difference between feeling jealousy, having jealous thoughts, having angry thoughts versus I am an angry person. I am a jealous person. Mm -hmm. And it can be refreshing just to separate yourself from these thoughts and emotions. It's not necessarily your identity because your identity is just you sitting there in the present moment. From the book Happiness, honestly, I realized that the one thing we all want in life is happiness. Some of us seek it by seeking things like pleasure, like those dopamine rushes. Happiness and pleasure are very much two different things. But I think a lot of people approach trying to be quote-unquote happy by actually trying to chase after pleasure. And separating myself from that, realizing that happiness is something more, a deeper underlying state, I just knew that 
if there's one thing I'm meant to do on this earth, it is to be happy. And if meditation brings me there, then I need to actively seek that out regularly throughout my life. I can't just let it be a passive thing that I let enter my life because it is the key to having a tranquil mind state. It surprises me, Sammy. Even when I take like a minute or two just to meditate or when I first tried any type of meditation, how infrequently I'm actually living in the moment and being present. And I think that's one of the first, first baby step things that you learn when you first try to meditate is just taking a moment and looking around the room and being like, holy crap, I'm alive. I'm here. This moment exists right now and I'm fully aware of it and I'm fully aware of every detail that I'm seeing. That is so true, Michelle. I think one of the biggest things about meditation, especially from the Buddhist perspective, is we're not trying to find a moment in the future where we're happy. Happiness is always present with us. If we're going to the grocery store to buy a bunch of things on our grocery list, happiness doesn't happen when you finally get all the things on your list. Happiness happens when you enter your car, on the car ride there, as you choose the groceries, as you check them out, as you put them in the bag on your way back home. Happiness and presence is in each one of those moments. It's not in a future place. It is always here. Yes, yeah, Sammy. It's interesting too you mentioned happiness versus pleasure because in the book Happiness, he does make such a good point in that, you know, happiness is internal. It's how you feel inside about yourself and your life and being in the present moment versus pleasure is finding those dopamine hits, buying the newest thing, having these different standards that you want to reach. And he makes a really good point that a lot of times that you might get the thing that you want, but once you achieve that goal, it's okay to find pleasure in that moment. But we tend to then get satisfied. It's like when you start eating the most delicious meal of your life. The first bite is so good. The second bite is so good. And then you start to get diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And if you eat that way every single day, you start to just think of that as your normal. It's not necessarily bringing you more happiness because you've now inflated your standard for what can bring you pleasure. Exactly, Michelle. It's the hedonic treadmill. It's interesting because we talk about finance and relationships in this podcast. And I actually think that meditation and that tranquility with yourself, that ability to be present and happy in the present moment is the foundation for having good relationships and being in control of your finances. For example, if you're not tranquil within yourself, a lot of times when you go to relationships, you have high attachment, meaning you're going to that person to fill something within you. You're looking at them like, I need you to make me feel better. Or I'm keeping you to make me feel better. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to feel bad. And when we approach someone with that, we're unfairly putting something on them. We're tainting that pureness of that selfless love of like, I care about you. I want good things to happen for you. And I do believe that as humans, we fundamentally have like, an endless amount of selfless love. We have a limited amount of attachment, but we have an endless amount of selfless love. So the more we can put out into the universe, like, I just want everyone to be well, the happier we are as well. And then that translates to finances as well. We're not buying things to fulfill our own needs. We're not just eating things to make ourselves feel better. We have a fundamental sense of fulfillment within us 
with very little requirements. So we don't have to buy things to make ourselves feel happy. It's interesting, Sammy, that really connects to something that surprised me reading a lot of these different books about different people's journey with meditation, both in Happiness, Think Like a Month by Jay Shetty, The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. There's always this pattern where the final thought is serving others and having this selfless love, which I think struck me as unexpected the first time because it almost feels selfish to sit down and take a moment for yourself and really just be present. But really the end goal is to clear your thoughts and then be able to open your heart to loving other people and helping to end suffering. I really love that point, Michelle. I don't think I've thought about it exactly like that, but I've noticed that as well. Like once you start to become tranquil within yourself, that's when you can start to give out the selfless love. And I do think it's because in order to start giving that love to others, we kind of have to find a sense of peace within us. I think it can also come around the other way, where if you start helping others, you're not thinking about yourself, so you can also find that tranquility within yourself. But I do think there's like a very deep interplay between those two. So we've talked a lot about the benefits of meditation, but how do you actually meditate, Michelle? That's a really good question, Sammy. And I think that anybody who wants to get into meditation, I would recommend two things. One, baseline, know that meditation and sitting in silence, focusing on your thoughts, all of that, it's really about baby steps and that little bit of improvement every single day, especially depending on where you are baseline. Sometimes it's so easy for me to be like, oh, I'm so happy and peaceful and life is great and I can just sit here and how could anybody not easily access this? And then when I'm anxious, it's really, really difficult to remind myself how I felt when I wasn't anxious. And so I try to remind myself, depending on my mood, that one, no matter what I'm doing, taking a little bit of time to do it every day, whether it's one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, makes such a big difference. And even if you don't see that at first, it really does add up over time. So that's the first thing that I would just almost put out there as a disclaimer is I think it's a practice that builds and one that takes a little bit of time. The second thing that I would say is there's a lot of resources there now. There are so many different apps, Headspace, Calm, Andrew Johnson's meditation app, Sam Harris's meditation app. You can go on YouTube and pull up different meditations, different podcasts do meditations. And so I think that's really great. And I really, really encourage people to do a little bit of digging and find what works for you. Sometimes some voices don't resonate with me. Sometimes they're too distracting. Sometimes the message doesn't align with what I need to hear. And so when I find something I like, I tend to stick to it. But I do encourage people to find something that they like. Exactly, Michelle. I love using the apps. My favorite is Sam Harris app. I really think that if you live in a place where there is group meditations, or even now, I'm sure there's lots of online group meditations, there is something about being around other people and meditating with them that just really helps bring you into focus. Like when I'm alone, it's a 10 minutes max meditation. But when I'm with the group, I can meditate for much longer just because I have that energy of the group with me too. And another big one that I love is just walking meditation. 
walking, breathing, noticing your surroundings, noticing those intrusive thoughts, and then coming back to the surroundings. I think that's a combination of nature and meditation that just really brings it together. I'd build on that, Sammy, too. And I would say that a lot of exercise is naturally meditative because when you are pushing your body, it's so hard to focus on anything else. And I think that's why a lot of people actually really enjoy exercise Mm -hmm. outside of all the physical benefits. Absolutely, Michelle. Exercise is a great one because I think the meditation aspect of exercise and exercise in general, they build on each other. My favorite is cycling. When you get into those deep moments in cycling, especially like if it's a spin class and there's that whole meditative aspect from it in it in the beginning, it's just like so true. It's why the concept of soul cycle is so was so genius. Just while you're at your peak pushing yourself, you just have somebody hot yelling motivational things at you. Like that's something that I miss and I definitely love. Yes, me and Michelle one day would love to become Soul Cycle teachers together, and that would be so bomb. You said the teacher thing. You know, my goals are a little bit smaller, but maybe <laughs> teacher is a very far goal for me. But I think we would be really bomb Soul Cycle teachers. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a podcast is Soul Cycle without the cycling. So true. So true. If you guys want to start cycling while you do this, I don't know what our listenership looks like. Maybe you guys all have Pelotons, but if you do. Let us know and we can, you know, maybe amp it up a little bit. Like, you are doing so well. You are pushing yourself and your goal is right there. Do not let yourself down today because you are going to reach your goals and you will be the best version of yourself and you will look at yourself at the end of this podcast and you will know that you did it. This girl has COVID, people. This girl has COVID. <laughs> you would not guess it. The way you breathe, the way you, you, that oxygen movement in your lungs. I'm proud of you, Guapu. I am proud. Thank you. Thank you. It was a moment. I felt it. <laughs> I felt it. I felt it. Speaking of feeling it, We've talked about this before, but like with finance, financial independence, there is this level of security that comes with financial security that changes your mindset. And I would say that there is a similar thing with meditation and the serenity that comes with meditation. And I would say it's even greater than the financial security. That hits the nail on the head, Sammy. I mean, for me, having just gone through COVID, getting it unexpectedly. I think meditation was a great upcoming episode because it reminded me to sort of sit back, take a second in the moment, review the things that were scaring me, reviewing the way I was thinking about people, and really refocus on both self-love and love to other people. Exactly, Michelle. I do think just having that ability to meditate, having that ability to find serenity, in the most unusual and difficult moments, it really gives you the sense of security, the sense that no matter what happens, I know how to be okay. That way to kind of come back home, to kind of come back home in your body. Love that, Sam. So I think to summarize, you know, if you're starting out with meditation, finding a local group to find people to meditate with is a great way to get started. Or if that's not an option for you, I think guided meditations are great because they kind of help you watch your mind. Sometimes setting a timer and just letting yourself go off can be difficult. Yeah, and just always remember, it's always a practice. I think most people don't have a perfect session where they just sit there in complete nirvana, not thinking about anything. 
So don't judge yourself. It is meant to be a very non-judgmental practice. So no matter what you decide to do or how it works, I think just trying it, applying it, and then ideally being consistent with it is the best thing that you can do. Just like you said, Michelle, consistency is really the key with meditation. We would love to hear if you try meditation, if you do it consistently, if you do it sporadically, anything you want to share with us, we'd definitely love to hear it. You can always send us an email, statuspostadulting at gmail.com. Send us a direct message on Instagram at statuspostadulting and let us know about your thoughts on meditation and if it's something that you practice or that you're going to begin practicing. And most importantly, be sure to join us next week as we put down the rule book and rethink the status quo.